Hello folks, welcome back to the RLS podcast. We are not pissing about this week, we're just, I was going to have a break for going into the 61st episode, I usually do have a break after 10 for a couple of weeks just to, just to kind of catch up on a few things, but if I'm being honest, it's been a relatively like quiet month, like March is kind of just not a lot has really happened like for the past couple of weeks, and um, there's not really been any like anything pushing and you know what for me like I hate that like I, I hate not being not being busy like there's obviously like being too busy and ending up your week like totally burnt out but there's like this this sweet spot in relation to like a little bit of stress a little bit of anxiousness creates kind of you know the the old saying pressure creates diamonds like for me that that kind of helps like a little bit of pressure a little bit of a push helps but it's like when I'm like quiet like I get super fucking just like frustrated anxious I'm like oh my god I'm not doing enough um and that's like kind of one of the other unspoken dangers of being self-employed like when you actually don't have a lot on you feel like a bit of a fraud because everyone else is out doing like a nine-to-five and here I am sitting fucking recording a podcast and not that there's anything wrong with that like um and I'm just kind of like scrolling Instagram making reels and stuff like that like as much as that sounds fun, like it's it's not fun. The podcast is fun and creating reels is fun, but having too much time to do so, it's just like you've heard maybe heard of Parkinson's law. Like you will a task that you need to do, you'll fill it with the allocated time that you've got available to you, regardless of that's half an hour or it's like thirty hours. Well, maybe not thirty hours. That's maybe a bit of an exaggeration. But if I've got three hours to do something and I've got loads of spare time, I'll make it take three hours. But if I've got 30 minutes to batter something out, I usually make it happen. Um, so that's how I'm feeling today. It's probably related to being out of the weekend as well. Like I'm just feeling a little bit on edge. Um, alcohol is is the devil. Um, I actually, here's another interesting story for you. So I watched that film called, it's nothing to do with cocaine, by the way. I watched the film, well, the, the film is, but nothing to do with what I'm about to tell you. Um, I watched a film called Cocaine Bear. You may have seen it advertised. It's fucking ridiculous, by the way. Um like it's it says based on true events at the start, but it's very exaggerated. Like the story itself was that the let me just check I'm recording. I do this every podcast. Um yeah, so the story itself is about the true story. So a drug dealer is basically flying a plane over a place called I think it's called Chatteruchi or something like that. It's in America. Um and he's basically just chuck, chucking he chucked bags of cocaine out of his plane and then plan planned to basically just crash the plane and skydive out. Um, or parachute out <clears throat> but he, the parachute didn't open and he died um, and all the cocaine was spread all over this forest and then they basically found a 200 pound black bear had gotten into one of the bags and eaten some of the cocaine and it, and it died and that was the end of the story um, however on the actual film itself the bear goes fucking mental gets a cocaine addiction and goes around murdering everyone um, but it's, it's a decent watch to be fair but the story is that then I tried to get to sleep that night I got sleep paralysis and thought the cocaine bear was trying to kill me um, so yeah that wasn't very enjoyable and just another reason why I'm not drinking very much anymore because I've dreams about fucking being killed by grizzly bears but anyway that has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm about to speak about today um, and it is the dangers of bodybuilding slash competing. A little bit more sp- specifically, like competing is obviously like a little bit different to just bodybuilding. Like a lot of people bo- like would train and say they're bodybuilding. Um, anyone that kind of trains for aesthetics, I would argue that 
and not performance, I would argue that they're bodybuilding. Like if you're training to to change your body, then you're bodybuilding. I think I do a component of bodybuilding within my training. I think pretty much the majority of anyone that trains in the gym, there's a component of bodybuilding in there, unless you're solely training for athletic development or something like that. But there's a benefit to bodybuilding. So the dangers of bodybuilding, there are plenty of them. I don't want to bash bodybuilding this whole podcast. That is not what I've come on to do because although it's not my preferred like soul style of training and because I think there's a lot of negative connotations attached to it um, and that's kind of what I'm going to be speaking about, I also want to add that it is, that it is something that I'm still passionate about. Like I do like training to train my body. I have been through phases of bodybuilding and if I hadn't done that, then I reckon I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. I've never competed on stage. So I understand that like me speaking about this can seem a little bit naive because I haven't been there and done it. However, it's not something I have any intention of going and doing anyway, because I had such a terrible experience with it and with not with competing itself, but with going through essentially going through the same process without actually stepping on stage. I had a terrible experience with it. Therefore that's, what I'm going to speak about. And I understand not everyone's experience is terrible. But I just want to let you know the dangers of actually training like this and the dangers of um, going through the process. So here's a good example of a bodybuilder, Ronnie Coleman. I know you can't see my screen in front of me, but I'm looking at a screen right now and I can see a big absolutely jacked version of Ronnie Coleman when he won one of his Mr. Olympias. I can't remember which one it actually was. And um, Ronnie Coleman's quite a fascinating character. Like he was, so I'm going to murder this. So he won Mr. Olympia eight consecutive times, um, which is, is pretty impressive, if we're being honest. Um, he was the peak of, at the peak of bodybuilding for so many years. Um, if you don't know who he is, please just go and Google his name, Ronnie Coleman, and watch the documentary. There's one on Netflix is now. But it's kind of about more about the aftermath, um, about kind of where he is just now, which I'll come on to. But um, he was like he's like like the epitome of body bodybuilding, like him, Jay Cutler. I mean, more people nowadays will probably know Chris Bumstead. Um, those are kind of like three of the most well-known names. Um, and these are the guys that are at the absolute peak. So Ronnie Coleman essentially over many a year. Um, obviously won Mr. Olympia eight consecutive times. He then kind of went on to a the next 10 years of just being in pain, training through pain, training through injury. He had 13 surgeries. There were surgeries where, if I remember right, there was one of them that literally had to, that almost paralyzed him due to like the screws and the cages and the bolts that were put into him. Um, he had her- herniated discs all the time. Like his back was fucked. Um, I'm pretty sure he had a couple of heart surgeries as well, if I remember right. Um, yeah, he was literally fucked. He was on crutches in a wheelchair. Um, and he walks about in pain like every single day. Like he's, uh, again, I've not kept up to date with what the past couple of years have looked like for him. Um, but he's generally like, he's been in pain for many years and his bodybuilding career wrecked him, like wrecked him physically, mentally, um, mostly physically. Um, but he says he has no regrets, which I can appreciate. Like he has no regrets. He got to the top of his game. He did it. Like he didn't leave anything on the table. And I want to kind of use this as like a little bit of like a a measurement. Like this is Ronnie Coleman. This is like the top guy in bodybuilding. He's probably the most um, well known bodybuilder of all time. Um, I'm sure 
many people may argue that. And there are a lot of people that know a lot more about bodybuilding than me. So I will continue to add that. I am not an expert in this um, by any means. And it is not my chosen method of, of training. It's not my chosen method of coaching either. Um, so it's possibly something I want to get like someone on to speak about at some point soon. I know there's a couple of guys in Dundee doing some good work with bodybuilding. I've, I've actually worked with a couple of them before. Um, I don't know if it's still VW, but the the guys used to be really good. I think it was like Ali, Vaughn, and Clara. You probably know them. Um, if you're in the Dundee Forfeit area, they are like top of the game when it comes to like bodybuilding prep and stuff like that. So if you wanted to do it, those are the people that you should probably go to. Um, but I think yeah, like so. I, mean, I think I want to explain like what bodybuilding actually is from like the top to the bottom. So like from the bottom, bodybuilding is essentially like it's training to improve your body. It's building muscle. It's getting in shape. It's getting a six pack. It's generally building your body. It's the way it sounds. It's creating this like um, ideal version of your body through training and through nutrition and through various other means as well. Um, but those are obviously the two most important things. If you go right up to the top, that's what I was talking about. There's like Ronnie Coleman, Chris Bumstead, um, the Olympia, the IFBB professional league is like the professional league for bodybuilding athletes. And it's kind of like sanctions, the professional contests as such as like the Olympia, the Arnold, and there's a couple other ones like Legion and stuff like that. And there's various different ones, but I think those are the top ones. Um, there's a load of competitions anyway, all the way from like professional to amateur to kind of in between. Um, there's assisted, non-assisted. When I, when I say that, I mean like steroids, non-steroids. Um, there's like there's different variations of it. There's like bikini for like for women and that as well, um, and it's like there's a it's a big massive kind of there's different federations all across the world. So it's a big thing. Like there's a load of people doing it. Um, for context, like the 2022 Mister Olympia received this like the heft sum. So like all the winners in total won like 1.5 million so that wasn't like the top prize got 1.5 million that was like 1.5 million spread across all the winners of the olympia um but the actual mr olympia men's open category receives the largest prize i can't actually remember how much that was um so yeah it's it's reasonably big but it's still in the grand scheme of things in comparison to like football and rugby and stuff like that it's still pretty small like it takes a lot to make a lot of money off of this. Like a lot of these people are making money off of sponsorship and stuff like that. And that's for like being sponsored athletes for things like, I don't know, just like clothing brands and supplement brands and stuff like that. That's where a lot of these people make their make their money. Like Chris Bumstead, he must be like a millionaire a few times over. He's got clothing brands, supplement brands, um, a large YouTube channel and stuff like that. That's how people are like monetizing this thing now. Um, but yeah, if we go like right back to what bodybuilding is, like it's, it's essentially like, I never know how to pronounce this, like hypertrophy or hypotrophy. Like I'm sure there's an argument based on like where you come from, but it's essentially like the increasing growth of muscle cells. Like hypertrophy refers to an increase in muscular size achieved through resistance training. And um, how do you differentiate between this type of training and a different type of training? Well, it's just, it's the intention behind it. The, you could argue that there's like difference in sets and reps and there is optimal ways to approach it. Um, you, I mean, strength training, you're more thinking about maximal output over lower reps. Like when you think about strength training, you think about like, how much can I lift? But when you're thinking about hypertrophy training, you're thinking about how can I elicit the most kind of um, not damage, damage is not the right word, but how can I make my muscle grow? 
Um, and these have a lot of crossover. Like if you do a lot of hypertrophy training, you do a lot of bodybuilding training, there's a good chance you're going to get fucking strong. I've seen some of these guys on the hack squat and it's fucking ridiculous how many plates they've got on that thing. That's a strong person. <laughs> that's, 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 that's strength as well. But also like through means of strength training, through lifting heavy loads for lower reps, you can still build muscle. Like it, it happens both ways. However, there's just more of a dialed in focused programming um, to to bodybuilding if you want to go down that way. And then you would obviously sway more towards like the lower rep kind of stuff um, if you were wanting to build strength. And um, there's loads of different ways to skin a cat. Not one way is like the right way or the wrong way. There's loads of argument as to what the best way is to build muscle and to bodybuild. Um, and yeah, again, I'll continue to iterate. Like my approach is like it's it's somewhere in the middle. Like it's not like pure strength. It's not pure muscle building. It's just mine's just kind of like a combination of a few different things. Um, not that it's right, not that it's wrong. So another couple of things you need to obviously know about bodybuilding is it's like, like it is a process of sculpting your body through training, nutrition, cardio, and just generally fucking hard work. Like I want to keep reminding people like the, these guys that you see like on stage in amazing shape, even these guys on Instagram, like even if they are on steroids, like they are fucking working hard. Like they are, a lot of them are putting in ridiculous amounts of hours, a ridiculous amount of effort and discipline and just like consistency. Like I remember going through like a bodybuilding type phase and it probably, probably did it for about six months to a year, probably even longer than that, to be honest. And, if there's one thing I want to take away from that, there's not a lot of positives that came away from that for me personally, but what did come from that was I, I created a lot of fucking discipline. Like I I showed myself I was able to get shit done if I had a strong enough goal. My motivation was ridiculous to actually get that done because I was so insecure. Again, I'm going to come on to the psychological side of this further down the line. But I think it's also important for us to understand that genetics play a massive part um, in each of these guys, like as to how good a shape you can get in. Like one guy could give his body five sets um, of chest press a week and he could build a better chest than you doing 10 sets a week, even if you had everything on point. Some people are more genetically predis predisposed to actually get in a, in a particular shape. I know a lot of people that hold like a chest that looks like they, they train it fa like four times a week, every single week. I train my chest probably like for, for 12 sets every single week. And I know people that don't train their chest that have a better chest than me. So it's like, you can't put that down to, oh, uh, they work harder than me. Like they don't, it's just genetically, they've got better, a better chest. For me, my calves are something that genetically is actually quite good. And a lot of people go, have you got such big calves? I actually don't train. I train them for like one or two sets a week just now. One, actually one set a week, I train my calves. So there's no, there's no evidence to suggest that, like I've worked really hard to get to build these calves. So you need to obviously look at the top of the game, look at the number like one, two, three in the world of bodybuilding, and understand that you will never get there. I mean, I know that sounds like a defeatist way to look at it, but if you have trained in the gym and you actually know what part of your potential looks like, there's a good chance by now you would know if you're going to be a really good bodybuilder, um, or you've got a chance to go right to the top. For a lot of us, it's about being a realist and understanding that 
a lot of us will not make the top of that game. Even some guys that are in unbelievable shape. I know a couple of people that I follow on Instagram that are in unbelievable shape that have actually just went, I need to accept that I will not be like top 10 in the world. I will not be top 20 in the world because I'm genetically just not as good as these guys. Um, which is quite soul destroying because you could literally be like, you could have put all the work in, all the graft in, and you're still not going to be as good because it is judged on it is judged on a visual. It is not judged on necessarily it, the part of it. A lot of it is how hard you can work. That's that's the truth. Like you have to work hard to get to that point. But um, sometimes you will just like you will feel like you're swimming against the current. Um, I felt like that as well. Like I genuinely thought when I was training um, in a bodybuilding sort of style. I didn't think there was anything else I could do. Like I was doing the cardio, I was nailing my nutrition, and I just was hitting a plateau each time. Now, through good coaching, I may have been able to break that. I didn't have a coach at that time, so it's hard to tell. Um, but there was a ceiling for me um, in terms of how good a shape I could get in. I think I got in the best. I think I got in, I could probably get in better shape now, now that with what I know and who I know. However, um, it doesn't serve me anymore. So I'm not chasing that sort of goal. So, also important to realize that a lot of these guys are on gear more than a lot of them pretty much every single one of them are on gear and a lot of people are much better at admitting it now um, and it's not a secret however there's still loads of fucking assholes doing it like saying like i'm natty was like just look at your shoulders like look at there's a few like telltale signs to look out for you you don't have to be a detective but a lot of people are just generally much more honest with it now and that's much more appreciated than like for example, I mean, again, this is up for up for argument, but there are a couple of people in like the YouTube social media space that are still telling people that they're not on gear. I think of an example of one. Um, there's been a few accusations thrown about the guy Mike Thurston, who claims he's he's natural, um, which I'm very unsure of. Um, and that's the problem. Like people look at him and think, "Oh my God, he's natural! Like I can achieve that." When in reality. I don't want, again, I don't want to continually make this sound defeatist. Like if you want to get in amazing shape, you can definitely do it. But it's just the comparison thing on Instagram and, and YouTube and seeing these guys in these ridiculous shapes. Like you go to Ibiza in the summer and you see some like ridiculous, ridiculous shapes. And it's because they've just fucking smashed six months of gear. Um, worked hard alongside it probably. But for example, Chris Bumstead, who again is very open about his steroid use and would probably wouldn't be Mr. Olympia if he wasn't on it. Testosterone, uh, primobolin, prim, primo, um, I think that's kind of like an abbreviation for primobolin. Trembolone, clenbuterol, um, anavar, Wistrol, growth hormone, insulin, metformin. Like there's, you don't really need to know what these are. Like you can probably know what a few of them are, but like a lot of these guys are on a massive stack like that. But what you obviously don't see behind that is they're getting their bloods taken like every month they're on things to prevent the side effects for these like these guys are clued up on what they're doing when it comes to gear some of them aren't let's be honest like some of the if you go filter down the the categories to the to the amateurs there's a lot of people just taking something that the guy down at the gym told them to take so that's just something to take into account and i think more so this this podcast is more a message towards people thinking about competing or thinking about doing like a bodybuilding prep and i just want them to understand like what what's involved in it and like what these guys are doing and if it's something that they actually want to do. Um, and this is the problem Like guys want shortcuts, like guys and girls, to be honest, I'm not going to just um, tar like guys with the same, with a, with a one brush. 
guys want shortcuts usually they want to miss training they want to they don't want to do the the nutritional side of things they don't want to get the sleep on point they don't want to do their steps they don't want to do all these like basic things they just go straight for the gear because they're like it's a shortcut and anyone that knows anything about like bodybuilding and training and stuff like that they will know that they'll tell you to maximize your natural growth and potential before you even think about taking gear um, and a lot of people don't even give themselves the chance to do this. Like, what is the point? Um, I really don't think that, what the point is. So I think you obviously then, like, again, I could probably use my own story. Like, me, little naive Ryan at 19, 20 years old, watches Love Island, sees a guy in unbelievable shape, thinks, how the fuck did he get in that shape for Love Island? Like, he's in unreal shape. Then forgets about the genetics thing, forgets about the possibility that he's probably just taking six months a year to get in that shape. Um, I compare myself, I get frustrated. I use that as like an unhealthy motivation. Like I'm, I just I remember it in the summer, like because Love Island was on, like up to the summer, and it usually was on like before I was going on holiday. So it gave me this unwavering bit of fucking unhealthy motivation to get in shape. Like I was comparing myself to a particular person on Love Island, thinking I can get in that shape. Like that's my dream body. And I'm not even, I'm just looking at myself in the mirror thinking, nope, not there yet. Nope, not there yet. And I would never, ever be there. And I was getting frustrated because I was comparing myself to these people. So therefore, I'm thinking about, right, okay, what can I do to cut corners? What can I, I didn't take gear at any point, I admit that. And then I try a bodybuilding program and I try a diet plan. And then I just like keep starving myself. And then I keep going and going and going and going. And by the way, like, as I said, I was fucking super motivated. Like I honestly had some sort of fucking thing going on inside me that was like insecurity was firing me up like mad because I used to, I was clinging on to this kind of idea of being a chubby kid. And I was like, I don't want to be that again. I want to be, I want to prove to myself that I can get in amazing shape. And it was just never enough. And so it was like, <clears throat> I thought, I wanted to be like these guys on Instagram and YouTube and I wanted to be in that shape and that's what, what would that's what would make me happy. And that's where I think people go wrong. They think, right, I'm going to train in the gym. I'm going to get fucking jacked. I'm going to get an unbelievable shape and then I'm going to be happy. And then I'm going to be, everything's going to be fine. But they don't look to address the, the insecurity. They don't look to address the, the problems that they've had in the past. They don't look to address their sleep. They don't look to address their nutrition. They don't look to address... Like, and this is, this is where a coach comes in. Like, this is why I wish when I was that age, I just found the right person to coach me. And I just went, you know what? Can you help me through this? But I just didn't have that. And I didn't find that. I'm sure there was people out there, but I just couldn't find it. Um, so the dangers of bodybuilding. And I'm literally going to list every single one of these and say that it affected me um, when I was going through this phase. Body dysmorphia, obviously we know what that is. You look in the mirror you realistically see something that there's not much problem with, but you create this this narrative that you're in terrible shape, you look terrible, everything's shit, you're fat, you're this, you're that. Low testosterone, low libido, low motivation, tiredness, injury, overtraining syndrome, burnout, mental health issues, eating disorders, um, hyper-focus on nothing else but the goal, like everything else in your life gets ignored. Your performance goals suffer, aka my football suffered dramatically that year. Um, my social life suffered. Um, when is enough enough um, loss of menstrual cycle I fortunately did not suffer from that as I am fully male um, and there could be a loss of fertility which obviously you won't know until later on in life um, so it's a couple of like when you list this so I mean you can't see my screen right now but I've got a list of like these what was that 10, 11, 12, 12 things 
that would be the cons. If I could write above there, cons. So these are the cons to actually going through this really. And by the way, this is an aggressive, uneducated bodybuilding phase, which a lot of people do. A lot of people don't go through it the educated way. These are the cons to that. The pros are I lose body fat. I get a six pack. I look good on holiday for two days. Literally, those were the only pros for me. And I, the weight of those pros was heavier than the 12 dangers that came with it. I sacrificed everything to get in a particular shape, um, which actually ended up not even being a fucking good shape. Like, if I'm being complete, completely brutally honest, this may be my body dysmorphia speaking right now, but um, I didn't even think I was, like, looking back on it, I'm not in that great shape. I've been in better shape since while eating fucking 2,800 calories a day and fucking having a beer at the weekend. I'm probably in better shape. Um, and through those years of of bodybuilding, through those years of training like that and subjecting myself to that sort of, I'm going to call it torture because it was torture, like what I did to myself was there's still what, there's like five, six, six years after, I still feel some of these things. Like some of these things still affect me. Um, body dysmorphia definitely still affects me to a very small extent. Um, there's a couple of other them, other things in there. Obviously, the the eating thing I've definitely got really good control over now, but it's still something that I have a couple of triggers that set me off. Um, but also, I think I have to thank it in a way because it has brought me to the position that I am just now in terms of what I do for a job. I don't think if I'd went through that, I don't know if I'd be doing the same thing, if I'm being honest. I wouldn't have learned the same lessons. I wouldn't have been able to coach the people that way that I do and help them avoid these kind of things. Hence why I want to share this because it's not just about bodybuilding. It's about any sort of fat loss journey because a lot of the time, every single person that goes through a fat loss phase to start off with, their motivation is not necessarily to build big delts and build a massive back and step on stage a lot of the time it is because they actually want to feel comfortable in their own skin and they never they've never been able to because they've never been able to lose fat therefore when they see some sort of progress they attach themselves to it and they're like i will do fucking anything to make this happen and that's what i was like um <clears throat> excuse me so your motivations if you want to go through a pretty extensive fat loss phase if you want to start bodybuilding if you want to step on stage whatever it is to whatever level that it is do you know your motivations behind it? Do you understand why you want to do it? Do you understand what's important to you in your life? I always think about it like this. Like, and you hear me talk about values all the fucking time, but it's because it's something that was so important to me to figure out. Figure out what's important to you in life. Write it down. Travel, football, social life, eating out, business, career, self-development, just listing off my ones. Not... And I mean, my body is important to me, but it's body and my performance is, well, my body is probably lower on that list, but my performance and how I kind of operate on a day-to-day -day basis is much higher. So you'll notice that it's not top of the list. Some For some people, if you're a bodybuilder and you work at this professionally, it's probably going to be pretty high on your list. For me, it's way down there. So I will not sacrifice the values above my body just to lose a little bit of body fat. Like those other things are much more important. Therefore, I then understand where that motivation lies and what's important to me. Um, why? And like, why do you why do you want to go through this fat loss phase? Do you genuinely need to lose some body fat for actual health? Um, or are you only doing it because you're going on holiday? Again, not right, not wrong. 
ones, I mean, obviously, if you're needing to lose weight for your health, I would obviously recommend very much doing it. But if you need to lose weight just to get, go on holiday, then there's nothing wrong with that either. But for how long? How long is that going to take? Is there a means to an end? Are you going to be happy once you've lost that body fat? Or is there just going to be a continuous cycle? Do you actually know how long it's going to take? Do you actually know how long you want to work at this? For me, I did it. And again, it was always in relation to a holiday. Like one year I started in, I think it was in April for a June holiday, lost a bit of body fat, felt a bit better. That was fine. That was a short enough fat loss phase that I didn't see many of the negative returns. Then the next year I was like, well, I need to start earlier. So I started in February. And then I continued, I cracked on, I lost the body fat. And I lost a lot of body fat that time. But then seeing some negative returns, started feeling really shit. And then the year after is when I just took it too fucking far. Like I started right after Christmas, didn't even go out on New Year's, stopped drinking as much as I could, grafted my fucking arse off. Like honestly, there was some mad things went on. You've heard me speak about that various times before if you've ever listened to the podcast. Um, and then, yeah, just burnt myself into the ground. And by the time I got on holiday, I was just a fucking insecure, kind of wasted little guy. Like, I, there was nothing of me. And I, just, I remember getting so fucked the first night because I just had nothing in me. And then I ate two, two kebabs on the first night as well because I was just, like, starving. Um, and that kind of ruined me, to be fair, for, for a long time. Like, I struggled to get off the back of that. Um, my libido was dead. Like, there was no um, holiday romances there, I'll tell you that, because my libido was gone. Like, I just burnt it into the ground, testosterone. I would have liked to have it had it checked before I went away, because I'd imagine that it was, I probably would have been put on, like, um, some sort of replacement therapy off the back of that, because it was, was not good. Um, and what's the end goal? Like, what is the end goal? Okay, so you want to do bodybuilding, you want to lose body fat, you want to get shredded, then what? That's the problem. People don't ask themselves that question. Then what? Then what? All right, I'm going to lose one stone. Then what? Are we going to keep losing another stone? Are we going to maintain it? Are we going to bulk? Or what is it? Then what? Like, ask your que- ask the question, then what? And then ask it again, then what? Then what? Then what? Then what? It's an annoying question. I say it to people all the time. They're like, right, so Ryan, I want to lose two stone before, um, before April. And then I go, okay, Why? first of all, and then what What are you going to do after it? And they're like, I've not really thought about that. And again, that's why they possibly have me as a coach because I can then coach them through that process. And I think people forget about like, there is beauty in actually sustaining your weight, actually staying the same weight for a while and not having it not go up above two kilograms or under two kilograms. Like there's this, there's this really nice place I've been in for the past six months where I've not been tracking calories I've been able to sustain my weight. I've been getting stronger. I've been performing well on the football pitch physically. That's it's an argument if it's um, as technically. Um, and I checked my weight again. Like, don't get me wrong, it may have went a little bit up and down over the past six months, but I checked it again. I was actually lower than when I started. It's actually down at 87. And when I started, I remember looking, I was 89. And that's when I was tracking calories. And I was like, I'm surprised that I've not went up because I was only using my own intuition. Um, but that allowed me for six, allowed me six months of sustainable eating um, su- sustainable body shape um, and not really con- being overly concerned about like cutting and bulking and yeah I was totally fine however I want to add that looking wanting to look good is not a crime like wanting to actually be in really fucking good shape feel attractive feel confident and be able to take your top off at the beach feeling good on holidays, not a crime. Like it is, it's actually a healthy motivation. Um, 
because there's nothing there is actually nothing better well i'm sure there's a few better things but i feel really good like see if i go on a holiday and i have the confidence which i very like you'd be surprised like i very rarely have the confidence to take my top off like i still have this thing where i like i want to like like i don't know like almost like touch my upper body and people might be able to relate to this like you see if you're wearing a t-shirt that doesn't really fit you properly you always want to like pull it down i used to do this at football it's kind of like a an insecurity type thing um i honestly like see on holiday i still have this little voice in the back of my head that says ryan don't take your top off you're in terrible shape and then i catch myself i look in the mirror and i'm like fuck off ryan like why why do you still think that like you're not the same person as you were five years ago um it's pretty hard but as i said wanting to look good is not a crime but i think we need to be able to focus ourselves on more than just the body like if you're only going to the gym for an aesthetic goal, only going to the gym to train to look good, it becomes exhausting. We need to have strength goals. We need to have performance goals. We need to be trying to beat the weight that we did the last time, beat the time that we did the last time. And put another plate on the hack squat, bicep curl, two more reps, actually enjoying more than just training for the aesthetics. Because if you're just doing crunches to get a six pack, and you're just doing fucking bicep curls to get bigger biceps, which is technically the, the idea of bicep curls. So maybe take that back. Then it can get exhausting and it can, your motivation can drop. I think you need to have a combination of, of more than just solely focusing on the aesthetic. Um, where now, you know, when you want like your dog to lose weight, like you just, you start feeding it less and you start walking it more. Like you're, you're not a dog. Like the, the dog, is only doing that. This, this, this is probably going nowhere, but like you're, you're not like training yourself like a dog to lose weight. Um, you're training because you're a human and a human likes to fucking better themselves and a human likes to push themselves hard and a human likes to kind of, it likes competition and likes challenge. Um, and that's the way I think you should look at it. <clears throat> and I think that's pretty much me at the end of this podcast. Um, I think the main thing I want you to obviously take away from this is bodybuilding on its own only training for aesthetics and it's it's hard because there's no end like you get in a particular shape one time and you can't sustain it you put on a bit of weight then you go i need to get back to that shape i need to train again i need to get back to that shape like we constantly compare ourselves to other people or previous versions of ourselves like we constantly look back at that old photo from summer 2017 and think fuck i need to get in that shape again no you fucking don't need to get in that shape again that was you of three years ago. Things were probably a lot different then. You maybe didn't have kids. You maybe had a different job. You maybe had a different mindset. You maybe were doing different things with your life. You had a different career. Like that is, like I feel sad for people when they look back at their holiday photos and they go, I need to get back in that shape again. It is an unhealthy motivation. It is you versus the current version of yourself. It is not you versus you four years ago. You've aged four years. Things are different. And it, loads can change in four years. In seven years, every single cell in your body can literally change. Um, don't quote me on that, but I think it's almost accurate. Um, things change over time. I want to stop this like whole bulk cut, bulk cut, bulk cut, bulk cut. You don't need to be bulking or cutting. You can be just the same for a while. You can sit at 85 kilograms for a year if you want. You don't need to be cutting weight and you don't need to be bulking. It's fucking exhausting. And... Um, and it just means you get into this like mindset that you're not even like, you can't even just be a human for a while. Like you end up just being a, like a fucking Tupperware box robot. It's like, give yourself a chance, 
to use your own intuition to actually just like not track calories, to actually just like eat like a normal human, to actually just go and train in the gym for the enjoyment of it, not because you need to fucking burn an extra 500 calories. That's another thing as well. Like don't go into the gym to try and chase a calorie burn. Like you're going in there for the purpose of like you're acquiring a skill by lifting. Like you're actually lifting weight is a skill. It's like football, like football requires skill. Like some people are really good at bench press. Some people are really shit at bench press. Some people are really good at keepy-ups. Some people are really shit at keepy-ups. It's something that can be trained over time. You should go in there thinking, I'm going to get better at this skill this week. You should go in there thinking, I'm going to better the weight that I did last week. Not just, fuck, I've got to burn another 500 calories or else I'll be fat and else I'll, I'll not be able to eat my tea tonight. Like that is just a terrible way to look at it. Um, I want you to focus more on the performance, less on the body. Um, but again, as I said, it is not wrong to want to train your body and to want to look good. It's just when we go all in on one and not the other, if that makes sense. So hopefully that was helpful, guys. That is half past two. I'm away to the gym um, to do 300 sets of bicep curls. Take everything that I said in this podcast back. Catch us later.